Hi, and welcome to Book Club, a sales enablement pro podcast. I'm Olivia Fuller. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. A rather hot topic in sales enablement lately is that of sales coaching. And that's because organizations are realizing that when it comes to behavior change, coaching can really move the needle and unlock the potential of reps at all levels. But in order for coaching to be effective, sales managers need to know what good coaching looks like. Today, I'm so excited to have Dave Brock, the author of Sales Manager Survival Guide, join us to talk about some of the strategies that he lays out in his book. Dave, I'd love if you could just take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience. Well, first of all, thanks so much for inviting me to participate, Olivia. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, as, as Olivia mentioned, I'm author of Sales Manager Survival Guide and the upcoming Sales Executive Survival Guide. In addition to that, I run a, a consulting company called Partners in Excellence. There are about 15 of us. We focus on really business strategy and sales and marketing strategies with kind of a global customer base. So in your book, you include coaching as one of the core areas of responsibility for sales managers. Why is coaching such a critical part of the sales manager role? Yeah, and let me back up a little bit to provide some context. You know, you think of what is the sales manager's job? and, And Oftentimes when I talk to people and and ask them, you know, what's your job? They say it's making the numbers. And that really isn't the sales manager's job. That's your people's job. You know, the job of the sales manager is to maximize the performance of every person on the sales manager's team. And one of the, the most powerful tools to maximize that performance is coaching. So that, you know, so, so then you see, you know, coaching and finding every opportunity you can to help the person recognize what they're doing, learn about how they might improve and how they might do it better and, and enabling them then to, to try new things and to improve that performance. Coaching plays such a vital role in, in driving performance improvement. That's fantastic. So we talked about why coaching is so important, but in your opinion, what is it that makes such a good sales coach? So what are some of the key skills that managers actually need to be able to conduct effective coaching sessions? So I think there are a few things. One is you have to genuinely care. Uh, You have to care about the individual that you're coaching. You have to care about her success in her ability to grow, not only in what she's doing today in the job, but what she's what she can do in the future in terms of her future development. So you're coaching both for the short-term kind of tactical execution and their long-term development as a sales professional. Uh, so one, you gotta care. Two, you gotta really listen. Uh, and not, you know, listen for the things that you want to hear, but really listen and hear what they're saying um, and, and really be uh, curious about engaging them about how to improve. Uh, and, and I think the fun, there are a whole bunch of things, but I think the final thing is you got to get your ego out of it. Uh, you know, too much of the time, 
It's about demonstrating about how smart we are, where that doesn't really make any difference. It's you're trying to make the person, the salesperson you're coaching, as smart and as capable as is possible. And if we don't get our egos out of it, we stand in the way of effective coaching. Definitely. So you mentioned that there are different styles of coaching, um, but in your book, you also talk about some different ways to coach and some different types of coaching. Um, so specifically, you differentiate between directive and non-directive coaching. So can you explain to our audience what the difference is between those two and when each of these approaches should be used? Yeah, and, 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 that's, I, and I think that's a good point because too often, uh, I think when we learn how to coach or some people, the way they teach you how to coach is teach you a certain style. And really you become a better coach by adopting and integrating a number of styles. And, and if you kind of peel back all the different things people teach you, there are kind of two fundamental ways of coaching, which is directive, which is basically as the word implies, it's telling somebody what to do. You know, go out and see Olivia and talk to her about those issues, then come back and tell me what happened. That's directive coaching. Non-directive coaching uh, is one that's, that's more question-based. It's more things about asking the person, to, the salesperson to think about and reflect on what's happened. You know, so it may be, I just made a sales call on Olivia. Um, what were the result? What happened as a result of the sales call? What are the next steps? What are the next actions? Is there anything you might have done differently that could have enabled you to accomplish more? Uh, is there anything? Did you set reasonable objectives for the call, um, and did you accomplish all of them? Or what could you have done better? Those kinds of things tend to be more examples of, of non-directive coaching where you're trying to get the person to think about and figure things out themselves about, you know, could I have accomplished more? What could I have accomplished? You know, so the way you recognize non-directive coaching is, is it's a lot of question-based things. It's, it's a lot of how, why, uh, uh, um, who, what could, what, you know, those kinds of things. So you get, again, the, a person develops better themselves. And we all know it is when somebody tells us something, you know, it doesn't really sink in very well. When we figure it out ourselves, you know, we own it, we internalize it, and we're more likely to do that the next time around. And so really good coaching helps people learn. It helps the salesperson learn. At the same time, it helps the sales manager learn. So it's kind of a collaborative learning journey. In terms of when to coach, you also wrote that coaching should really take place informally. But, you know, in this virtual environment that we're now in, how can sales managers take advantage still of those opportunities to coach in the moment and informally when they might not, you know, be passing each other in the hallway or just be able to grab someone at their desk for a quick chat? 
So again, let me give a step back and give a little bit of context. As, as a manager, we should find as many opportunities as we can to coach and develop our people. So part of it is, you know, in, you know, we do pipeline reviews, we do deal reviews and so on and so forth. And those have a business management context to it. But we can use those as powerful coaching vehicles as well. We can, you know, doing a deal review, get them to think about how they might approach the deal differently and help them in developing more impactful strategy. But there's a lot of kind of the in-between spaces. It used to, in the old days, uh, when in the old days before COVID and when we used to go out on, on sales calls and things like that, you know, there was a lot of what we used to call windshield time where I might go out with a salesperson on, um, on a call and, you know, before we go out, uh, as we were driving out to the customer or as we were in the elevator, if we're in New York City, going up to, to, um, uh, to the offices, you know, I'd, I'd start saying, well, what are your goals for this? What are you trying to accomplish? So on and so forth. So I'd use that as an opportunity to coach and help them think. After the call, I would say, you know, how do you do? What could you have done better? Might you approach some things differently? Um, and, and those kinds of things. So you use those times. So I basically try and find every opportunity I can to coach somebody, even if it's for a minute or something. You know, it's, there's the time we spend in, in, we don't seem to have water coolers anymore. So there's the time we spend in the Starbucks line. Um, you know, and you have the opportunity to look at something and, and, and get them to think about things differently. So, I, you, know, I, it's, you know, I'm kind of one of these where you always think about always be closing. From a manager's point of view, you should always be uh, coaching. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned, you know, in the beginning that sales coaching is such a hot topic in sales enablement right now because it can have such an impact on behavior change. But in your opinion, what is sales enablement's role in coaching? And how can enablement really be involved in helping to prepare sales managers to be more effective coaches? So I, I think there are about three or four key things that, that are really important that sales enablement do is, is one, train managers in how to coach. Um, and I'll, you know, most managers have had no formal kind of training and, and even though they want to coach, they don't know how to coach. So sales enablement can train managers formally in how to coach. Two is, is as sales enablement had, launches new programs uh, for the salespeople, there's the reinforcement, uh, there's kind of the activation and reinforcement phase. I, I mean, we're, we all are familiar with the data that says, the half-life of any sales training is less than 30 days um, unless there's some sort of coaching and reinforcement. So every new program, every new initiative that, that uh, sales enablement launches should have a, a, an accompanying responsibility and coaching role for the managers. So if we're doing, say, a new account management program, you know, sales enablement needs to sit down with the managers beforehand and say, after your people have completed this, this account management program, you have the responsibility 
for coaching and reinforcing what we introduce to them in that program over this period of time. And you might put together a, a semi-formal training program or advice about how they, how they reinforce the account management concepts and so on and so forth. And if you have that, then you know, you'll, you'll build those skills. People will, will come out of that program. They'll be coached by their manager in applying those skills in real life. Um, and they'll build those skills and they're, they're far more likely to sustain those. So, so those couple things, and there is a thing, you know, I've kind of gotten into debates with people in the sales enablement society and other sales enablement professionals. Sometimes sales enablement gets into coaching roles. I'm working with a very large telecommunications right now where they have a small team of, of sales enablement professionals coaching. But what they've done and what I recommend is that they do it as a complement to the sales manager, not to displace the responsibility from the sales manager. So for instance, these coaches are spending a lot of time with, with new employees and helping them with the onboarding process. So they're doing a lot of coaching around products around markets around how the company works and so on and so forth where they can do that very very effectively but also in sync with what the sales manager is doing so i, I do believe that there's a role for sales enablement to do some very specific coaching but always as a complement in reinforcement to what the sales manager is doing not to displace the sales manager or even to give the sales manager an excuse of, you know, you sales enablement people are doing coaching, so I don't need to do that. You know, it's a, a key part of the manager's responsibility to be co to, to coach. So we've talked about coaching from kind of the individual side and developing sales managers, but let's talk about developing a coaching culture. What do you think are some of the key challenges that organizations run into when trying to establish a really strong coaching culture? And then maybe how could sales enablement help to overcome some of those barriers? I, I think part of it is it's hard for a sales manager to coach if that sales manager isn't being coached herself. And also, so, you know, managers all the way up the food chain have a responsibility for coaching. So even if I'm maybe the CRO or the CEO, I have a responsibility of coaching the people that report to me. They may be EVPs of sales, uh, chief marketing officers, or so on and so forth. And the nature of that coaching and how you coach changes because they're much more experienced, they're much more mature and so on, but they still need coaching. And that needs to be cascaded down through the organization. So frontline sales managers should have an expectation and, and, and ask their managers to be coached and, and that kind of thing. So that start doing that starts setting up a, a coaching culture. Two is, is training and learning uh, and so on and so forth. And, and there, I think sales enablement can provide a lot to really help them on how do we better, how do we train our people? 
uh, train our managers in how to coach? How do we, in fact, coach them in coaching as well? Three, I think what sales enablement can do is provide the tools and make sure the, the managers are using the tools that facilitate the coaching. So for instance, um, uh, if I'm doing a deal review and, and, and all, we bring up the deal in the CRM system. We look at the opportunity in the CRM system. We use that as the basis for a coaching discussion. You know, at the end of any coaching session, you want to agree on what are we going to do? What are the next steps? Who's going to do it? Uh, is it, do I have some things that I need to do? Do you as the salesperson have some things you need to do? What are we going to do and by when? And we need to leverage the CRM system to record those as actions or activities. You know, and, and as a manager, one of my favorite reports in, uh, in Salesforce is the delinquent activity report. You know, if, if we've sat down and agreed on some next steps and some next activities, and I pull up the report and say, Olivia hasn't done any of those, that sets up a coaching opportunity for me to say, you know, Olivia, what's standing in the way of your ability to meet your commitments? So helping the managers understand how they use the tools for coaching. The other thing I think that we get wrong about coaching is people think of, and I've already implied this already, people think of coaching as something I do separately from the day-to-day -day business. And the reason a lot of coaching doesn't get done is we prioritize the day-to-day -day business and then any leftover time we have, we, ha we do for coaching, but guess what? We have no leftover time. Um, so that's why I say you have to integrate coaching into everything you do. When you're sitting doing pipeline reviews, when you're sitting doing deal reviews, when you're going out on a customer call, when you're debriefing on a customer call, every single opportunity that you have there's a way that you can inject a little bit of a coaching conversation into it. So how can you really measure the impact of coaching? The ultimate way is you expect to see improvements in performance. You know, so you expect to see win rates go up. You expect to see, maybe if you're coaching them to, to increase the average deal size, you expect to see average deal size go up. You expect to see performance of percentage of people making quota. You expect to see going up. What you do want to do is you want to look at what are the leading activities? What are the leading activities that tell you that, that the person is internalizing the coaching that, that you're giving them? So for instance, things like using the CRM system and saying, we've agreed on, you know, these next steps. I, need, I, Dave, need to do some things on this. You, Olivia, need to do some things on that. Monitoring that they're actually ex executing those things is a, a measure that says, I know if we meet those commitments, you're more likely to make quota than not. You know, and quota may be a year away. So, so you want to look at some of those leading things. You want to start looking at um, is the person, you know, as you're looking at saying, 
are they are they chasing better quality deals, more active deals, uh, or, or higher uh, value deals? You're going to to want to you know inspect that and see what's that change over time is the quality of deals. You know, I have a client that went through a massive change with all their people. They wanted to take their average deal size from 10,000 a person up to 100,000 per person. And so what we did is, is we went through some training and we went through some coaching and they actually, they had planned to do this over a two year period, but with the coaching that they instituted, they did it in nine months. In over two years, they got the average deal size up to 500,000. So there's some real tangible business benefit to these things. I'd say the other thing too, is to be very focused. Uh, it's the analogy I, I like to use is um, I, I attempt to play golf. And I'm not sure I really play golf. But one time I got a good buddy of mine who was a really good golfer. And I said, my drive just is terrible. Can you help me? And he said, you know, here are the six or seven things, Dave, you need to fix. And I was getting so confused with all those six or seven things that my drive actually got worse. So then I decided to pay money to a professional. And, you know, we started out slowly. He said, Dave, this is the one thing I want you to do right now. And then I mastered that. And he said, okay, Dave, this is the next thing you need to do. And over time, my, um, my my drive started improving it still sucks but but it started improving and so i think we as managers sometimes confuse our people because we try and coach them on too many things and so we have to look at we've adopted kind of a methodology of how do we identify the highest leverage coaching opportunity and focus just on that one thing get the person to master that, then move to the next, then move to the next and move to the next. Oftentimes what you find is you fix that, you get them performing better at that one thing and a lot of the other things that they aren't doing well actually disappear because there's a ripple through effect. That's fantastic. Well, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We really, really appreciated you providing some actionable tips for our audience. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, you guys do some really important stuff, so I appreciate participating as part of it. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.